right, welcome back to the Analytics Association. I'm Adam Rosen alongside Jack McGrath for about an hour away. We are both home right now due to the pandemic currently, and we decided we want to do this as a podcast for now. So we brought a lot of great content to you, even with the lack of live sporting events happening. There's a lot to talk about. Jack, how are you doing lately? I'm doing well. Uh, sitting in my basement right, right now, ready to get going with this. Um, yeah, as you said, there's still a lot to talk about in the sporting world. Um, even with stuff not going on, uh, the, the debates are still going to reign true. I mean, we're watching the Jordan documentary right now, and Jordan and LeBron debates are flying. Now Kobe's in the conversation, too, because he showed up on the, on the documentary last night Ooh. as the best of all time. And that that's, conversation's always going to be there. You have free agency. You got NFL draft. Um, there's been so much to talk about. And, and I think we've got some pretty good historic debates to go through today. Yeah. Um, so, so we're going to be talking a little bit of that. we got Korean baseball coming up at midnight tonight on May 4th. Or May the 4th be with you, actually. So I did watch. I, I woke up, watched Rise of Skywalker at home. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. A lot of people don't, but I do. But, no, I'm excited. Um Plus, you know, the Jordan, I personally with the Jordan doc, I, I love it. I mean, we're Bulls fans. So it's like, we never witnessed this. We weren't old enough. Exactly. We weren't even. But yeah. the, my issue is why are people bringing LeBron and jo- Kobe? Into the, obviously Kobe, because he was part of it, which is so sad seeing that they interviewed him for this. And now he's, his, uh, he's yeah. passed away, but I don't get it. Like stop bringing LeBron up. Like he's watching this with <laughs> us. He's enjoying it just as much as we are. There's no reason to bring him into it at Skip Bayless. Yeah, I understand that, but. Everybody likes to say, stop debating. Let's appreciate greatness. Of course. But I, th- I think the thing that we can look at with these two guys is they were they are both on other levels, right? And, yeah. and throughout their whole careers, they've been on other levels. And now, for Jordan especially, you have one guy in LeBron James who actually might have reached that level. I mean, even Magic and Bird said Jordan's the best guy that we've ever played against. So there was never anybody to compare Jordan to. And now that we have LeBron to compare Jordan to, people want to jump on that because it should be jumped on because he should be compared to LeBron. And that's just my opinion. I think, I think comparing Jordan to LeBron and LeBron to Jordan, I think it's a fair argument. And I love oh, having I the argument because comparing greatness, in my opinion, is, what's, is what makes them so great is because they have the opportunity to be the best ever. So yeah, I, people will say stop comparing greatness. Keep comparing greatness because I, I like to do it. I like to hear about how great these players are. Because if you don't have those debates about how great these players are, a lot doesn't come out about just how great they are, right? Because people will dig and they'll find and they'll try to find ways to show off truly how great these players are, right? You have people digging up stats. You have people looking at LeBron, how much, how great he's been in leading teams. And then uh, people will rip on him because of the finals. But then you have to point out even more in Jordan's greatness that he never lost in a finals appearance. But then you look and you point out that LeBron's been to the finals a significant amount of times. I believe it was eight times in a row, right? So I like the comparison to greatness because I think it brings out a little more in these two mm-hmm. players, especially because it just there's not a lot of ways to bring them down. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't, I don't have an issue with comparing them. I just have an issue that people are making, starting to talk about this, like making this about LeBron. Like, oh, LeBron could never do that. Like, calm down. Like, we're watching the documentary, like, it's no like there, there's this is a great time to debate it, but there's no reason to make this documentary about LeBron. Say, look at you, LeBron, you suck. Like Skip Bayless has been doing that, and I just, I kid you not, I blocked him on Twitter. I'm just tired of it. <laughs> I, I'm just tired of seeing it. It's like 
This is about Michael Jordan. This is not about LeBron. That's James. surprising, Adam, because I th- I would have thought Skip Bayless would have blocked you before you skip before you blocked Skip Bayless, I, but you, you turned that one to, around on him. I try not to interact <laughs> with people like that on Twitter. <laughs> All right. He's just on my feed for some reason. But talking about the documentary specifically, Dennis Rodman, he drank alcohol oh. while powerlifting, and he was wearing pajamas while working out, and he like went to a he he invented load management. That's that's Donovan Mitchell's quote, not mine, but that's hilarious. Yeah, the, the, great per. I mean, take it for what you will, but personality-wise, entertaining to say the least. And, and I mean, it's it's something to watch for sure. I mean, I, I, there's no, there's not a lot of ways to define Dennis Rodman, and I think he's proving that even more. He, he was a hard worker, but at the same time, he was the guy who invented load management. He, pretty much, he was crazy but also had his goal set and, and knew what he wanted to achieve within the team and how he wanted to help the team. I mean, he's, he's such a, a big character. It, yeah. It's entertaining to watch for sure. I, I think it's funny to see all the people reacting to this live on Twitter, like NBA players watching this, but also people are going after Isaiah Thomas, like the current player right now, player Isaiah yeah. Thomas, you know, uh, I believe he's on the wizards right now. Tech. So people are going after him. Like, Yo, he didn't do anything. Like people are in his DMs, and I think he said last night, "You would with the DMs I've been getting, you'd think I was the one who had an issue with with Michael." And everyone was and like, "Yo, it's the wrong Isaiah. Get, go after yeah. the other one." But I have an issue with the, that whole thing. They didn't shake. I know they were trying to justify them not shaking hands, but with the Celtics not doing it, be a bigger, be the bigger person. Show that it's you should shake hands. Yeah, it's just whiny, childish. And it just you don't get respect for that one. It's yeah. annoying. But I, I I think every week it gets better. And like everyone's like, oh, I wish they could just release all these episodes now. I wish I could watch them all right now. But also, it feels like if they were if be weren't the way they are now, it wouldn't have anything to look forward to if they were all released immediately. Well, well the happy. great thing the great thing about it is right now we're able to break down two episodes. And six episodes because we haven't come on before this, and then we and now we have to look forward to to even more. It's basically like what sports are, where we see one thing and now we have to wait for the next thing to occur, and we don't know what's going to happen. Um, I mean, we know the eventual ending, but but there's little things in there that that we're hearing about and coming out. I mean, we get to hear about well about Michael Jordan punching Steve Kerr in the next episode. Oh, like, that's yes. gonna be fun. In, uh, we're hearing about how that occurred in a practice. And, I mean, that, that's something that you're not going to hear a lot of insight about outside of something like this. Yeah. So I, I like the way that we're able to have this dialogue about it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why, how it's structured. This is not something you, you're going to want to binge watch all the way through. It's awesome to reflect and think over and get ready for, for the next thing. I think it's interesting, too, because we get to see – like a lot of people, myself included, were calling out or like calling out, call, talk about Jordan. He never played. He never had the uh, what do you call it? Um, he had the gambling addiction. He, it's he wasn't doing anything illegal. He's gambling. What's wrong with that? What let him do what he wants? It's not like he's he's not breaking law. And like he wants to live a life privately. And you know what? I have a res- I respect. After a while, I respect that. Like he doesn't want to. A lot of people were mad about it, but he he even if he's a famous athlete and people look up to him, he doesn't have to go out there and be like the most outspoken person. I love and respect LeBron James for doing that. And it makes me one of my favorite players, him one of my favorite players of all time. But Michael Jordan, he didn't want to do that and he doesn't have to. 
and, and about the gambling thing, I think David Aldridge and then David Stern hit on it too perfectly. Um, $1.2 million, when he puts $1.2 million on the table in a golf bet, it's not the same as me and you putting in $1.2 million on a golf bet. I mean, that's for the amount of money that he was making off of everything, and this still makes to this day, it's minuscule in comparison. So definitely, I, I that was the one flaw that people could find with Michael Jordan. And as we've seen, talking about this comparing greatness between LeBron and comparing Jordan, people have to dig to find these little small flaws. I mean, not I don't want to minimize the gambling thing, but realistically, in scope of the documentary and what was said about it, um, you you look at these things and people are trying to they're starting to nip they nitpick on these guys. And yeah. I, I think that was the perfect example of it. I think the media, it really shows that the media, it wasn't his gambling, his gambling addiction. Um, it was the media that pushed him out of the sport for a little bit, as well as the final straw. We'll probably hear about this in the next episode, about his, the tragic murder of his father. That, that, that's definitely the last straw. People don't want to, people want to just blame him. A lot of people like to blame, oh, he's a gambling addict. So he's a terrible person. He's going to, that's why he retired. No, he retired because, because the media pushed him out because he, uh, things he did, which weren't illegal. I can't express that enough. He didn't break the law. It's like, calm down, people. Yeah, I talked about how he, he didn't break any laws himself. People he had associated with, which he found out later, were breaking the law. Um, I mean, can't blame him for that. that. That's just my thoughts on that one. But, I mean, realistically, once again, it's nitpicking, trying to find flaws in greatness. They said yes last night in the episode, uh, chipping away at the pedestal of greatness that Michael Jordan was standing on. And that's what people were trying to do. Um, but Michael Jordan, I mean, still an idol, uh, a great figure, um, someone that should be mm-hmm. looked up to based on how he tended to avoid controversy uh, like that throughout his career. But yeah, and uh, another documentary, I don't know if you've been watching, you probably didn't, I don't know if you watched it, but. It's a 30 for 32 parter on Michael Vick. It is, yeah. it's a great documentary. I mean, it, it takes you behind his life. Like obviously the dark path he took with dog fighting and it takes you down his, his, uh, his youth, where, what he grew up during, where he grew up. And it kind of explains, obviously it doesn't excuse what he did. What he did was horrible. He even talks about that. And I believe in him. I, I've given him a second chance. I, I don't, I, he deserves that second chance. He's fully redeemed himself in my eyes. But it does help you see on where part of the reasons he was led down that path, what he was, what took him there. And I love these documentaries. I've been watching a lot of sports documentaries, and that's probably one of my favorites besides yeah. The Last Dance because it just teaches you something about not only it, it's about his race, it's about it's a story about race, redemption, football, sports, and all that. And it's it, it's interesting to see where he came from and how it how his youth impacted him in the future, and the what he's done recent to clean his um his reputation i guess yeah and that documentary i believe is uh yeah it's directed by stanley nelson uh lucky enough um stanley nelson was on the university of missouri campus where me and you adam go to school uh he was there in it was either october it was early in the fall um he was there in the fall and i had the opportunity to talk to him a little bit and, and provided some really good insight on on how to make a documentary and him being the talented a filmmaker that he is, no doubt in my mind that that is going to be a that is a really impactful, uh, good documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, that, as you were saying, uh, explains a lot about Michael Vick and his life. I mean, not justifying his actions in any way because what he did w- was inherently bad. 
but um, it provides some more insight into. Yeah, it really is. It's a great documentary. I would recommend it to anyone who has time. It's a two part. It's got mature language, but if you're watching the Dorton doc, you can probably handle this one. It's great. It's very good. It's a great documentary. I can't recommend it enough, but all right. Let's talk about some stuff that we are looking forward to coming up. I don't know about you, but I am super hyped for Korean baseball. <laughs> Go Kia. I'm the biggest Kia Tigers fan you'll ever meet, obviously. Hey, any baseball is good baseball. Any sport, yeah. honestly. It's, it's, a, it's a good league, too. It's, it's not I mean, a bad league. Um, it'll be interesting to watch, for sure. Maybe some I mean, of these players will get some extra exposure and, and who knows, mm-hmm. make it to the big show one day in the major leagues or uh, get some more exposure for their – for their league too. So it, it's yep. a good opportunity for them and national scale or uh, international scale now for, for that mm-hmm. league. So really big opportunity. I don't even care that it's at midnight or 1, a, 1, a, uh, 1 a.m. Eastern. I don't care that it's at midnight. I'm going yeah. online. I'm going to, I'm going to zoom with some friends, watch it. I, I'm excited. Those backflips are unreal. American major league MLB backflips are inferior to those KBO backflips. They are un freaking believable like it, it's like magic like i saw a bad flip on a foul ball i mean it's hilarious i mean jeff Passan's <laughs> been tweeting about it all can you day imagine bad flipping a foul ball though like you're, you're, you you're swinging you're like really. oh yeah it's gone it's a foul ball you bat flip and then you have hunter, to walk back and uh, take another swing at it oh my god hunter, hunter strickland embarrassing would, hunter strickland would not be fond <laughs> no I, i'm not um, sure yeah anybody would be fond of that yep <laughs> So speaking of baseball, we've got a little thing here. Five tool superstars is what we're doing here. So th- this is the basis of it. We're gonna take one player, and you look at the five tool. Po- you look at the five tool players in, in Major League Baseball, and-, and the five tools that make a player great. Um, you have running, you have contact, you got power, fielding, and then you have throwing. Right. So th- those are the five key parts of an MLB player that makes them great. We're gonna go through and we're gonna give who is the best at each of those five tools? And if we put five guys together to make one super player, what five guys will we put together to make this super player with each guy that we're choosing specifying in one tool? So that means yeah. we're going to pick one guy for running, one guy for contact, one guy for power, one guy for fielding, and, and one can, guy for And throwing. you can use the same guy for something like power and contact, but mm-hmm. uh, we decided to do separate. Also, there is like we – didn't, we did not include the – like the talked about sixth tool, which is like the mental state – mental – that's a tough one to talk. That's a tough one because it's hard to judge someone's mental, like how they, how they approach it. It's kind of difficult, but so we're just one with the classic five tools. This is something I saw, we saw on MLB.com a few weeks ago and it's interesting to see it. So you want to go first or I'll go first. I don't care. Uh, go ahead. You got it. All you. All right. So for my runner who I'm taking his running ability, I'm taking Trey Turner Last year, he led the MLB with 122 bolts, which is nearly higher than – about 70 higher than the next, which I believe was Malik Smith. His uh, t- speed to home plate – from home plate to first was 4.06. His sprint speed was the highest at 30.4. And a bolt, by the way, is any run where the sprint speed is at least 30 feet per, 30 feet per second. So he had that 122 times. That's ridiculous. Contact. I'm going Michael Brantley. Highest in-zone contact percentage in the majors, 95.6%. And his fifth, and he was fifth at out-of-zone contact at 75.9%. Power, I'm going Jorge Soler. Most barrels, third in barrel percentage, sixth in hard hit percentage, 
He was seventh in exit velocity at 92.6. And not to mention, he was the American League leader in home runs with 48. Fielding, I'm going to go with Kevin Kiermaier. Second best outs above average at 17. He covered the most feet on average. Three five-star outs, and he's a goal, several, he's won the gold glove plenty. And throwing, I'm going Ramon Laureano. And back in mid-July, was the latest I could find. He had the best, highest top throw speed in the major leagues at 100 miles per hour. 19 assists in two years, three double plays in two years. As an outfielder, sixth in range factor, and range factor tells you it, it based on each position. It's only comparable position is how many turn is how many successful plays they can make defensively. It's it's a, I think it's better than fielding percentage. So my player is Trey Turner's speed, Michael Brantley's contact, Jorge Soler's power, Kevin Kiermaier's fielding ability, and the throwing arm of Ramon Laureano. Beat that. All right, all right. I, I think that's a good player. I'm going to agree with you on the first guy. So, Trey Turner, um, I'd say you want his speed on the base pass. So, I gave a really good look to Byron Buxton. I, for a while, he was my pick. Then I gave a really good look to Billy Hamilton. For a while, he was my pick. He's been kind of considered the fastest guy in baseball for a few years here now. But you look at everything else. You look at the stats. You look at the analytics that you mentioned, especially um, – you look at the bolts and the sprint speed. He was top in sprint speed and, that, and then significantly higher in, in bolts, which, I mean, he, he's above the rest. Uh, he had 46 stolen bases in 2017, 43 in 2018, and then 35 last year in 2019. Um, he gets on, he steals bases. He's got lightning quick speed. I got to go with Trey Turner as my running pick because I think he's the fastest guy in baseball. All right, then contact, I'm going to go Jose Altuve. I hate the fact that I'm picking an Astros player right now just because of everything with the Astros that has gone on recently. But you know what? I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to pick an Astro. (laughs) Bang, bang. Yeah, I'm going to pick an Astros player. So he's second among current players in batting average with a 315 career batting average. Now, Miguel Cabrera also has a 315 career batting average, but is beating him by one fraction of a – decimal of the batting average he's it's that close razor thin razor thin when you're looking at the difference so he's basically the he's he's probably gonna pass up miguel cabrera next year in, in active players um batting average wise um looking other than that he's led the league in batting average three times in his nine-year career so if you're looking at a third of the seasons that he's played in he has led the major leagues in batting average that's pretty impressive right there for contact. If, if, if the game is on the line, right, and it's bases loaded, two outs, you need one run to win the game, right? Who are you going to take? I'm taking Jose Altuve 10 times out of 10. I think he's the best contact hitter in baseball, and, and I think he should be treated as such. That's why I'm pointing him in as my contact guy. Now we're going to move to power, and I'm going to go with somebody who was hurt last year. Now, he's, I think he's getting a little discredited because of his injury last year. And maybe that's what should have happened. He would have been injured at the start of this year had Major League Baseball season been able to start. Maybe it's justified. But if you're looking at pure, raw power, there's no reason Giancarlo Stanton is not the pick yeah. to be the best power hitter in baseball. From 2016 to 2018, he had the hardest hit ball in terms of exit velocity every single year. So for three years that he played, hardest hit ball, 
every single year. He averages thir- he averaged 34 home runs a year before he had a little stint last year where he only hit three home runs uh, because he didn't play a lot last year. But in his nine years before that, he averaged 34 home runs a year. He had 59 home runs in 2017. He is one of the best power guys in baseball, and that's why I'm throwing him in as my power guy. Fielding. The best fielding third baseman in the game. Nope, it's not Nolan Arenado. This is a bold statement right here. Actually, it's not as bold as it used to be. But I'm saying Nolan Arenado is not the best fielding third baseman in the game. I'm going with Matt Chapman, Oakland Athletic. So – he was first last year in fielding war in the league at 3.9. He was second in 2018 at 3.6. He's consistently at the top of the range in terms of fielding war, fielding wins above replacement from year to year. At least the past two years he's been. He was first in range factor, and Adam, you were explaining range factor a little bit earlier. So the formula for that is standard innings per game times putouts plus assists divided by innings played plus outs played divided by three. So it's a pretty complicated formula. But basically it shows how involved they are in the defense and and their ability to make outs and get outs and involvement in getting those outs. He was first in that last year. He was first in fielding percentage at third base last year. He was the guy at third base last year. He's also got a ton of power. Matt Chapman's an MVP candidate next year. Look out. All right. Now, throwing, you mentioned him earlier, Ramon Laureano. I mean, just look up his highlights. Absolute cannon. He's insane. Unreal. He's, he's got probably a one fantastic of my arm. He, he's going to be throwing guys out for years to come. He's the number one arm in baseball right now, in my opinion. I, I'm taking him as my throwing. So, he's looking at that, I've got Turner, Altuve, Chapman, Stanton, and Laureano in my five-tool player. I like it. All right. I, I, I love Laureano. He's actually one of my favorite players in baseball. I make it a point to try and trade for him at MLB The Show as much as I can. So, yeah, he, he's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he's going to be a superstar. I think he's a super, almost gonna, already a superstar almost. Okay. So, moving on to after that, we have more baseball because baseball is awesome. So, we I saw another thing on Twitter. Who would you take like, through the right now as of their career based on at the same age? So Mike Trout at, I believe he's 28 now. Willie Mays through the same age as Trout and Mickey Mantle, same age. So that through the same amount of seasons. Jack, you can go first this time. Who would you take? Yeah. So Mickey Mantle, you're the greatest switch hitter of all time. You're a fantastic player. You're probably a top 10 bit player in baseball history. You're not the answer to this question. Sorry, Mickey Mantle. You're amazing. Sorry. Sorry. The answer to this question. Now, it might be Mike Trout. I'm going to put that out there. Mike Trout's one of, going to be one of the best players of all time. But, Adam, when you saw this question on Twitter, you responded, Mike Trout, comma, duh. No. Ron, it's not Mike Trout, comma, duh. Willie Mays, come on now. In his age 27 season, he hit 347 with a 419 on base percentage. Willie Mays played for 22 years, right? He made 24 all-star games because from 1959 to 1962, they had two all-star games each year. 
So he's a 24-time All-Star. Now, whether or not you really want to count that because they play two All-Star games in a year, really not a big deal. But he was consistently producing, right? If you look at his career stats, 302 batting average, 384 on base percentage, and 660 home runs. Willie Mays is a top five player of all time. And I understand Mike Trout's amazing, right? He's on pace to be one of the best. But if you're looking at sustained success and you ask me, who do I want? Me knowing what I know about Willie Mays, I think there's a definite argument to be had that Mike Trout is not Willie Mays. Yeah, now it might be really close, right? And I think they're very comparable as players. But I'm going to go Willie Mays right now. But I still think Mike Trout has a very strong case and definitely could be the answer. I'm not discounting Mike Trout at all. All right. So I'm taking Mike Trout because what we've seen from him in his career is unheard of. It's unreal. Through his age 27 season, his career OPS plus is 176. That's the fifth highest of all time, higher than both Mays and Mantle. OPS plus is on-base on base plus slugging plus. What a name. And it takes into account the factors and the, le- and the le- league factor and the ballpark factor, so where you're at. The league average right now of all time is 100. So that means his OPS career, career OPS plus is 76% better than the league average all time. That's hard to understand, but we all know Mike Trout is unreal. I'm, I would almost take him over anybody in MLB history before his career is over. And I don't think we've seen him at his peak. <clears throat> this past season, in my eyes, is honestly the beginning of his ascent to his peak. Obviously, I think he's, he's been in his prime. It's like LeBron. His prime is his whole career. His, I don't, but again, I think this is the beginning of his ascent to the peak of his career. With how consistently great he's been. He's years old. I know. I think he's ascending wow. to his peak soon. And who knows how long that lasts? I, who knows how long that lasts? Maybe an entire decade. He's been consistently the best player in baseball. It's ridiculous. And I think it could last almost the rest of his career. And it's not out of the realm of possibility in my eyes. And if that happens, I think we're looking at arguably the greatest player to ever roam the diamond, put on a mitt, and to ever walk up to the plate. Mike Trout, it's just unfortunate. If he gets a ring, it's over. It's over. I seriously think that. I, I'm that high on Mike Trout. He's just been unreal. He's been... I feel like he's so great. He's so under, I think he's actually underrated. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's because he's really, he's a really reserved guy. Kind of like Jordan, actually. He's reserved. He doesn't talk, he doesn't go out and outspoken much, but he does a lot more than people think behind the scenes. Yeah, but Jordan was never underrated. Jordan was a brand in himself. I'm saying in the fact that he's he's more reserved to himself a little bit at times. He's like, he doesn't like go out there and speak a lot. He, he yeah. seems like he's like his private life. Apparently, he's like a big weather meteorology guy. Like he does the weather reports at Angels games. I've heard about uh, my friend who's an Angels fan who who lives out in uh, Orange County area goes to Angels games all the time. So I think it's kind of yeah. funny. But, I mean that that big paycheck you just got might move him more towards the uh, oh yeah this guy's definitely the best player in baseball considering he's being paid. Uh, I still think he gets underrated. Bucks, but... I still think he gets underrated. It's just oh. weird. But yeah. I mean, he's. I agree. He's going to be, be one of the best baseball players of all time. I think he already I just like is. the sure thing in Willie Mays, knowing that you know. He, I think he's he already sure. is one of the best of all time. Yeah, Trout. I think. I mean, this would be his tenth season, I believe. So, if he retired, stepped on the field whenever game season starts, and then retired immediately, he'd probably be a Hall of Famer in my eyes. Yeah. Because they had to play ten seasons. So yeah, speaking of that. L Los Angeles area athletes. 
we were talking about LeBron earlier, and we I saw another thing for I believe Sports Center, ESPN. It was a really weird scenario. So I was talking about what what of these three super teams would win? These two super teams would win if it's LeBron, Kevin Durant, and Steph Curry, or LeBron, Kawhi Leonard, or Anthony Davis. Now those two thought two thoughts the thoughts of those in my head hurt my hurt me because then it would be over. Like either team would be it'd be over for the NBA. Like we all know who would be the finals champ. I mean, come on, we we come on seriously. We know it'd be over. Like there's no way, no one's stopping that. So I think we want to we want to talk. Who do you think is better? Which team would win if we did like a best of five pickup twenty tournament? Between these three teams, obviously, you'd like have to clone LeBron or something. So you, so you give them the same benches, right? And, and you give them the same two other players in their starting five. And if you're putting these yeah. two teams yeah. against each other. Yeah. Originally, I was thinking Durant, Curry, and LeBron versus oh. LeBron and Davis. I, I – see, here's my thing. Great offense beats great defense, right? I don't think you can stop LeBron, Durant, and Curry no matter how good your defenders are on the other end. Yes. You, even if you have Kawhi, if you got LeBron matching up against LeBron somehow, and you've got Davis. Yeah, I mean, Kawhi's going to have to guard Curry, right? I mean, that's a really good matchup. And then Durant versus Davis, another really good matchup. I still think offensively, Durant and Curry win those matchups. Yeah. Um, I still think LeBron dominates no matter what teams he, he's on. So I think LeBron. that's a, that's a wash there. Obviously, LeBron versus LeBron. LeBron cancels um, out. But basically, you're looking at Durant. And then you look at the playing styles, too. Durant and Curry complement LeBron a lot better than yeah. Kawhi and Davis do because they can shoot the three ball so well. LeBron if you put LeBron just easy. driving inside and you put Curry on uh, on the outside and able to pull up wherever you have to pull out the defenders, there's going to be no help defense down low for LeBron. You got LeBron driving all the time. Woo-wee. That's going to be Durant tough to defend, especially with yeah. Durant ability to kick out there. And I think Durant gets a little underrated on defense. I mean, he can defend inside if he needs to. He's like – People think he's 6'10". I, I swear he is seven foot tall. He's a seven foot tall feathery shooter, shooter and it's not fair. I mean, people, I, people are on. I feel like because he's been out this whole season, people aren't. People don't want to talk about how great Kevin Durant is. He is unbelievable. I think he's top 15 all time. Steph Curry's the greatest shooter of all time. I, you, there's, I don't think there's an argument against that anymore. I think it's just common knowledge now. And I mean. Kawhi Leonard, I mean, sure, there's not going to be – they can eat – those two, Davis and Kawhi, can guard inside. Kawhi can guard the perimeter. Is Kawhi going to step out and guard Steph Curry from 40 feet? No, 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 and no. No way. And LeBron can pass to them. In, LeBron's probably the best passing – one of the best passers of all time. Well, here – all right, I got another question for you. This is changing it up a little bit. Oh, boy. Do you think Durant is ever generally well-liked again? By NBA fans, I... they, fans are pretty down on Durant still after the whole going to Golden State to basically guarantee himself a. Ring. I was down on him, but I I like him again because of what he does off the field, off the field, off the court for people in the community. Gotcha. He 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 did. I mean, sure, a lot of people would say, "Oh, we're just going to help him compete." Compete. The goal is to win, and if you do what you do, what you need to do to win. Like if that's what you need yeah. to do to win, it's disappointing, but. If that's what he had to do to win, fine. I mean, I'd I don't know. LeBron, but like, I don't know if I'm over it yet, and I don't know if I ever can get over it. The Bulls were never going to The Bulls were never going to compete. The Bulls were never going to compete. Who are you saying wasn't going to compete? 
like my thing is I I have real I don't really have a need to be mad because my team was never going to be able to compete for the finals anyways, regardless where Durant was. Yeah, Durant wasn't coming here, so. I mean that's fair, but him and Westbrook would have very they, they contested the Golden State Warriors. They were up three to one on them, and then he bailed on Westbrook, and he bailed on that Thunder team. That that's where I get upset. Maybe it's the fact that they just failed that consistently failed to get there several times that after yeah. losing in 2012. I don't know. I personally, th- I, I don't like, I didn't like the move. I kind of still don't, but I get where he came from. He talked about it on his, the boardroom ESPN on the ESPN plus. He talked about that a little bit. Plus I think some people have given a little bit more after because of how he tried to fight during that series playoff series where he came out. I don't know if it was torn Achilles at the time, but it was probably something bad. And then he ended up tearing his Achilles in the finals, and then people were yeah. che- fans were cheering on that. And obviously, some Raptors, most Raptors fans aren't like that. Most fans aren't that. But people cheering a guy to tear on a guy who just tore his Achilles, like you see the guy waving by at him, that's messed up. And I think yeah. that gives him a little more sympathy, or a little feel a lot more sympathy for people from yeah. people. I think that's fair. I mean, I don't know if he ever gets it back. He but might. He might. I, I see people who like you who who turn back towards him. I don't know if he's ever gonna be able to sustain that 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 legacy that he used to have. I don't think he but, ever gets back yeah. to that point. And however you look at it, he's still one of the greatest players of all time. It's not true. I mean, one hundred percent. And I, I just think, who knows? And it's not like again, it's not like he broke the law. Yeah, <laughs> I think that is a, I'm gonna put Tying that in there again. He's not like he's a bad. It's not like he's a bad dude. He, he yeah. did what he wanted to do for his career, yeah. and he really did kind of grow. He kind of, I think in OKC you could see it. He said he wanted to grow as a got man, and I I was joke, laughing at that a lot as a kid, younger. But now that I see it, he did grow a lot. He kind of became more tougher, tougher because in OKC you didn't, didn't see it as much. But like if you looked, he was a little more aggressive in a Golden State, and it fit well. True. All right. I think that's all we got, Adam. I think so. There's not much we can I bet next week we can discuss Korean Batflips. Yeah. Please, everyone look <laughs> those up. That. Those are amazing. Um, five tool pitchers next week, I think, is, is what we got for lined up. Five, five tool what pitcher do you want? Which pitcher do you want for fastball, cutter, curveball, change up slider? Who's which pitcher all time or current? Who's who are you taking for that pitch? Like Whose cutter do you want? And I'm pretty sure we all know the answer to that one. It's kind of a one yeah. answer. Mm-hmm. I wonder all right. Who... We'll, we'll see what that answer is next week. No spoilers. Week. No spoilers. All right. All right. This has been the Analytics Association, usually on KCOU 88.1 FM. We are doing it from at home. I'm Jack McGrath alongside Adam Rosen. Thank you for joining us for this at home ed- edition. It's been fun. We're going to hope to bring some more content to you next week. So thank you for joining us. This has been the Analytics Association. Mm-hmm.